Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, your host. I'm excited to welcome our guests from the Imperial Senate podcast. How are you doing tonight, Claire? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I have a little bit of a sugar high, like since last <laughs> night was Halloween. I've been eating tons and tons of candy. Um, do you have a favorite candy that you eat after Halloween? So, definitely. I love 100 Grand Bars but I was not smart enough to pick up extra candy for myself. (laughs) Um, Specifically, I usually have like an extra bag of 100 grand bars that are just like, nah, you're great kids, but not good (laughs) enough for these. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'll go out and get some discounted candy. Today is the day for that, that's for sure. Yeah, seriously. Today we're going to talk about our third section of the Ahsoka Tano arc. Uh, we're going through Ahsoka's arc in the Clone Wars in chronological order with a few exceptions. For example, this week we're skipping over the Blue Shadow Virus and the Future of the Force, uh, the Youngling arc, which Ahsoka's in, but she's kind of a background character in that arc where she's not really doing that much. So I just kind of wanted to focus on the the episodes where she's front and center and she has something significant that I think kind of shapes her arc overall. Um, In each episode, we're focusing on her relationships with her mentors, her friendships, and then also her leadership as she teaches some Padawans. Did you have any thoughts of Ahsoka overall that you'd like to share with us? Um, it was really nice coming back and rewatching these because this was an arc that I haven't seen in a while. There's a couple Clone Wars arcs that I'll rewatch eight million times just because I love them so much. And this one, I forgot how great it was and <laughs> and just how much she has grown since then. It's nice to go back and see um, Ahsoka who still has something to prove and is still still has a lot to learn so this it was it was kind of nice it was i was i was a fan of these yeah they're really been too long yeah the first episode that i'd like to talk about is the storm over ryloth which is the first episode in the ryloth arc in season one um it's actually a pretty cool episode because it's ahsoka's first command of a squadron um and it starts off with anakin saying don't be nervous and she's like (laughs) stop saying that why is everyone saying that it kind of seems like that phrase is just making her more nervous every time somebody says it have you ever found that to be true where people say don't be nervous and it makes it worse 
absolutely 100% of the time that anybody has ever told me not to be nervous. I automatically get way more nervous and put so much more pressure on myself. No matter how confident I should feel, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to screw up. (laughs) Is there anything that does help you like calm down when you're kind of nervous and have that anxiety? I mean, it it helps to to know that somebody believes in you. I know Anakin um, tells her that she's going to be fine. But um, honestly, I think not talking about how much, you know, how how focused I need to be and how much pressure I should be putting on myself. Um, The more relaxed I am, maybe goofing off before something like that, usually the better I do because I feel more comfortable. Yeah. I have a gigantic fear of speaking in public. I had my first uh, Toastmasters uh, meeting today, so... It was rather stressful Uh when you just get in front of like 20 people and have to just talk uh, on the fly about a topic that you were not prepared for. So it was an interesting experience. And of course, I had my typical using filler words that was just over the top. So I'm trying to get better at that. We'll see how that goes. Um for example, right there. <laughs> <laughs> so Ahsoka is put in charge of the Blue Squadron, and uh, they're trying to defeat the battleship uh, that is blockading Ryloth before Obi-Wan comes there so that they can help land and free Ryloth. So Ahsoka's trying to defeat the battleship and she falls into the trap because they have reinforcements on standby and all of a sudden, instead of having three ships, there's five. And she ends up losing the entire squadron while also not following orders. It's kind of hilarious because uh, Admiral Yularen asked Anakin... You've got to warn those fighters. Commander, we've been caught in a trap. You're overreacting, Admiral. I can get us through. Blue Squadron, stay the course. You're all set, Blue Leader. I'm ordering you to return to the ship. We're going to need your help. Ahsoka, it's too risky. Get your pilots out of there. Sir, we've got their fighters surrounded. Good. No turning around. Did you train her not to follow orders? It's kind of hilarious because he, he almost blames Anakin for the fact that she's not following orders because Anakin doesn't follow orders. I mean, they say that you <laughs> more is caught than taught. So Yeah, their personalities are just so good together, but also they have the same sort of bad habits and can re- reinforce that in each other, <laughs> Yeah, which is kind of funny. But yeah, she is little Anakin, especially in this in this arc. She takes the losses of her pilots very rough and um, she kind of gets depressed about it. What do you think Anakin's trying to teach her in his response? You know, I think that he's trying to teach her that it's very, very hard to be in command, especially during wartime. She's expected to be eventually a general she's commanding these people right now and their lives are in her hands and she has to both be confident in her abilities but also trust command and they see they could see something that she does not and that 
sometimes it's more important to swallow your pride and do what's right for your squad than it is to be a hero. And I feel like that's super important for her to learn because this was her first time and people's lives were in her hands and it's, and you've got to deal with those losses because they will happen in that kind of situation. Yeah. I don't think she felt the weight of that or understood the weight of that until after she came back and had lost so many pilots because they talked about it before she left that the troopers are basically trusting her with their lives to follow her into battle. Um, but when she came back, she just felt the gravity of that. And Anakin does say that dealing with the loss is the reality of commanding in in, in war. So uh, I think he, he wants her to basically get back on the horse, but it's, it's, it's very hard. And he actually asks her to do that rather quickly, uh, which is very interesting. It's Yeah, I was very surprised by how quickly and how hard he pushed her right away. Yeah. Because he had gone through that at some point, obviously. He'd had his first time that he'd lost a bunch of men, of course, because he's a general and you got to start somewhere. It's just, it's so surprising that someone who has such deep emotions um, and cannot always control them, that he wouldn't understand that this, she needs more time. But to be fair, they didn't have time. Yeah. Um, It was kind of a tight situation where they had to defeat the battleship quickly before Obi-Wan arrived. So he kind of comes up with a crazy scheme to fly the damaged galactic cruiser into the battle station and then jettison into an escape pod where he expects Ahsoka just to pick him up. So he's like, my life will be in your hands because I won't be able to defend myself, basically. And Ahsoka's really not liking that responsibility right away. Um... Yeah. No pressure. No pressure at all. (laughs) So she's got to come up with a way to save him and uh, defeat the all of the cruisers at the same time. And when she comes up with the plan, it's kind of interesting that the the squad is basically second guessing her her strategy because she did kind of fail in her first mission with the squadron and it's not until Yularen comes in and gives her that vote of confidence that it's a good plan and we'll we'll do it uh, just as she said that they actually decide to do that and follow the orders you know what I mean yeah that was kind of hard to watch it just it gets under my skin watching that scene and and just being a small female myself, like yeah. I am a very short person and I am a woman and there's lots of situations where people have maybe not listened to my opinion. Oh, really? And and then when somebody else has said pretty much the exact same thing or reinforced it, they're like, oh, okay, yeah. Like it just, she's being trained to do this and if General Skywalker trusts her, you guys have got to trust her. You just, I get it, but it's just a, 
just kind of it was a bummer to see her uh see no see that they didn't want to follow her that they didn't have any faith in her even though they had seen her fight and they'd seen that she can do this even if she had a rough day today <laughs> yeah i think ahsoka's been really fighting for that kind of respect and admiration from the get-go i don't know if you have rewatched the the clone wars movie recently but when she's first introduced to anakin and rex anakin and rex immediately start calling her youngling all the time like who's this mm -hmm. youngling and um and she takes offense to this i I didn't understand it at the time, but not until I started doing this rewatch arc um, did I see the fact that I, th I think in Ahsoka's eyes, the term youngling has a negative connotation where it's disrespectful and um, not really giving her credit for reaching the Padawan uh, level of Jedi training. And so she eventually asks Anakin and Rex to stop calling her that and then immediately start starts um, with her defense mechanism of getting snippy, which is where the Sky Guy comes from. And when I first watched the movie, like it, I, I, I did not see it at all. And so when I watched it recently, I... I got to empathize a little bit more with her because I could see where the defense mechanism was coming from because she felt like she was the one being hurt first, um, which is why she started calling him Sky Guy. And it just kind of wa it, it washed away the, the offense that I took with her calling Lord Vader Sky Guy because I thought Vader should be a little bit more respected, but he wasn't being respectful at the time. Um, and it, I've been kind of keeping an ear open. So Rex initially called her youngling. And then in the last set of episodes, he eventually started calling her kid, which is a little bit different. But in these episodes, Rex is calling her commander Ahsoka, which is more of a title of respect. Um, and then Anakin is still calling her snips privately, like when they have a private conversation, but when they do give a briefing in front of a group, he calls her Commander Ahsoka to try to give her more respect. What do you think a title like that would boost your confidence in leading a team? Like, how would that boost your confidence in leading a team? I think, yeah, I think that how especially if I am in, if I'm in charge of these people, there has to be some level of respect. If I have to direct somebody and they keep calling me kiddo or like little one, little one the whole time, yeah, I'm going to get really peeved. It's just, even if I am younger than you, this is the position that I have earned. I have gained this experience to get where I am now. And it really does undermine your confidence and also it could potentially undermine my crew's confidence in me. Absolutely. That it, it just change. It's there needs to be some level of formal respect. And if that's an affectionate term that 
my close personal friends will use privately, like Anakin uses with Ahsoka when he calls her snips, aside from the squad, that's fine. Absolutely fine. But how you are perceived by the group is very important when you're put in charge. And obviously at this point, not all of the troops are completely, you know, not all of them have faith in her yet. Yeah. But she's starting to gain that respect. And yeah, it's, it's how you are being referred to, especially in a position of command like Ahsoka is, is, is really important. You don't want to be put down in a sense or talked down to when really you're the one in charge. Absolutely. Um, you need that kind of authority for them to, to trust you, especially when they may not have all the information. They expect you to have the information because they are basically depending, they're laying their lives um, under your command. Um, and we're going to talk, I think, a lot more about Ahsoka's leadership and how those dynamics are developed later on in the next few episodes, which will be interesting. Did you have anything more about the uh, storm on Ryleth that you wanted to talk about? Um, I just, I, I really, I just enjoyed watching young Ahsoka's interactions in this. It was just really nice to go back and it was interesting to also see where Anakin was at at that point mm-hmm. where we're at, I'm so used to the end of the Clone Wars when she has really proven herself and Anakin needs her and feels close to equal with her in a lot of ways by the end of it. And then going back and seeing him kind of undermine her in ways, but still clearly caring about her. Um, he has a lot to learn at that point as well as a mentor. And it's just so interesting to see, yeah. to just take this little path down memory lane and see how he changes as a mentor. <laughs> it really is interesting because it, it it's almost like it changes from episode to episode because so much happens Definitely. quickly. The next episode that we focused on a lot was landing on Port Rain, Point Rain which is the uh, first episode when they try to take back Geonosis uh, from Poggle the Lesser. And in this one, we have a briefing with several of the Jedi, and actually Chancellor Palpatine is there, which is kind of surprising, I guess, since it's such a epic... Um, the size of the battle is going to be so big that he's involved. And there's a point when he kind of points out the fact that it's risky to have three generals in one area all at the same time under one attack. If something went wrong, we could be dealt a serious blow. Um, Do you think that Palpatine betrayed the Jedi in hopes of um, really dealing the Jedi a critical blow all at once? Do you think Palpatine told... um, Count Dooku that they were coming and how to um, defend them and how to give them, like, to, to defeat them, almost. That's... See, I go back and forth on this just because 
his potential pupil that at this time he's already grooming to be his apprentice is going is one of those generals that's getting thrown into the middle but to be fair in the sith way if anakin dies in this challenge he wasn't worth it anyway yeah um i guess that could be that mentality so i i do see him um getting ready to deal a blow to the jedi because when order 66 X comes around, hey, that might be three less that I got to deal with, hey, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And pretty formidable ones at that. <laughs> yeah, like, so, like, it's, um, Kiati, uh, Obi-Wan, and then Anakin are all coming from three different flanks to rendezvous in one spot to before they go under the shield barrier. Um, and it, it feels so much like D-Day in Saving Private Ryan because there's so much like military chaos going on all at once f- from so many different directions. I I really love the um the action in this episode like it's just non-stop. It's pretty cool. But it's And it was really graphic too. It's, I mean It really were... was. There were Geonosians picking up clones and flying up, and at one point he, he dropped one, which and like just so much was going on. I forgot just how how intense the animation <laughs> in in the Clone Wars can really be. I mean, the space battles are gorgeous, but this was hardcore. Yeah, like I loved it. It really was. They had some flame troopers that basically just set a lot of Geonosians on fire. And yeah. so they're walking around <laughs> as like little f- flame balls burning up like it, it was it was brutal, very brutal. Um, before that, they actually go on the attack. Ahsoka gives Anakin a warning during the briefing because she sees a potential danger in the fortification. Apparently, there's a giant wall with a ton of gun emplacements and she's like their front lines are heavily fortified look at that giant wall with all the gun emplacements that won't be easy to get past don't worry we're not going anywhere near that anakin dismisses her immediately in your experience have you ever felt dismissed like that when you're trying to bring up a good point oh absolutely so so often (laughs) It's just, um, like, I have a, well, I have a story about that. We had a bunch at, I work in a bar, and we have a television in the bar, and there is an employee I work with who will remain nameless for obvious reasons. He knows better. He always knows better. And any time that the TV would turn on, we were having electrical issues, and it would, the circuit would just blow, and all of the coolers would go would go out, so we could either choose between having the baseball game on or having cold beer. <laughs> well, when you work in a bar, I feel like that's, that's a, a pretty problem. obvious answer. Yeah. Yes. And we tried everything. It just wasn't going to happen that day. But he was determined to get the TV on. And I, and everything he tried, we've already done that. It's just, you know, it, I mean, I'm warning you, that's not going to work. No. So I, uh, I had a very fun time. I've had many experiences with that person, but yes, actually that's kind of a tangent, but 
I absolutely understand what Ahsoka is going through, um, being like having your warnings ignored. (laughs) It's hard to say, but do you think that she's ignored because she's young or because she's a girl? Mm, That. Yes, (laughs) I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, She's still, she still has a lot to learn, which is fair. But I think that, I don't think so much in this episode um, that it was because she was a girl. I would, I would err on the side of her being young and Anakin being the kind of person that is so stubborn and always seems to know better. Yeah that her inexperience is the reason that you know he just kind of brushes her concerns aside which is not fair but well it just bites him in the ass when they run up against the wall <laughs> well this is another fine mess you've gotten us into what hey it's not my fault you were supposed to study the hollow maps i did remember when I reminded you about the giant wall and you said, don't worry, Sniff, we won't be anywhere near that. Just get ready to climb. <laughs> oh, that was, uh, it's it's one of those I told you so moments, but it's yeah. the kind of I told you so that you'd never want to happen because it means that everybody's shooting at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, I really didn't want to be right, but hey, here we are. Exactly. <laughs> um they have a great way of destroying the wall and I kind of feel bad for Rex once they do destroy the wall because they basically just lift him off of the wall and throw him off the side. (laughs) So he's just falling, I don't know, hundreds of feet free fall. (laughs) That would be pretty (laughs) awfully scary. Yeah. No stress. You'll be fine. It's going to be okay. Just trust me while you fall probably to your death. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. And if there's any question of whether or not uh, Mace Windu could survive the fall, I guess now we have reasons <laughs> to think that he could, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Thank you, Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. Another theme in this episode that's kind of interesting. I don't know if you picked up on it, but as Kiati Mundi um, boards his transport before the battle. Admiral Lauren tells him, uh, good luck. And then Kiati responds with, there's no such thing as luck. But once he's injured and basically crashed on Geonosis, he asks his clone captain, uh, with any luck, we can meet up with Skywalker on his way to Kenobi's position. Why do you think Kiati Mundi has two different responses when it comes to luck. Yeah, it's interesting because, it, yeah, it was brought up several times. And I think I think that luck is the easiest term that he could relate to the clone troopers on since they are not Force-sensitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing is ever going to be luck. Um, you have to be prepared and aware of your surroundings and and percepts around you um but as a clone trooper you know you relate much more to luck than you would 
this mystical energy field that surrounds us, binds us, penetrates us, and binds a galaxy together. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> luck makes a lot more sense than that. It's yeah. a bit of an abstract concept, but yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think I think that's probably why he used that term. Um, yeah, what did you think about it? Well, actually, I have a theory that luck is actually used to explain the will of the Force at times in Star Wars. Specifically, I think luck in Solo, a Star Wars story, is where the Force is at. Some of the big things that happen in Solo that are epic in Han Solo's story, they play the Star Wars main title music right at those moments. And a lot of them have to deal with luck, uh, like his dice, for example, or when he first sees the Millennium Falcon and when he climbs into the seat with Chewie. It's just, it, there's a lot of things in Solo, a Star Wars story, that make me think that luck is also an, what they call the will of the Force. So later on in this episode, we also see Admiral Yularen say to Anakin that you're in luck. We actually have one squadron available in the very last moment when you're about to break. All of a sudden, they actually have the squadron available to give them air support. It's their last hope to have a successful mission. So it's a question of, do you think that it is the will of the Force that the Jedi win this battle? I think so. It's such a time where where things are so out of balance um, and they're about to get a whole lot more out of balance. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think that I, I definitely could see that luck in this case, especially um, and in this battle is, is the will of the force for the light side to win the day mm-hmm. because there were so many ways that they could have lost yeah. this battle. <laughs> There's so many ways and against um, against their preparation and against the odds in front of them, not magically, but through the force, um, things pulled out and got all right in the end. Yeah, um, that's... They should not have won that battle, but luckily <laughs> things kept happening like, oh yeah, by the way, the squadron's available now. Here they go. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely could see that see that it was the will of the force, um, in this case. I, I know in my life I, I've had a lot of circumstances where things that I did not expect just kind of happened to make things better. I mean, for example, there was a time when I was like really strapped for cash, uh, living on my own by myself. Um, just very much struggling financially. And then all of a sudden I started getting checks in the mail uh, as like reimbursement that I had no idea that I was owed. And it came on a regular basis that helped me uh, stay on my feet in a moment of crisis. Do you know what I mean? Like getting a check in the mail that you're not expecting is is very strange. Um, But it came at the time that I really needed it so like I think that that those are the kind of um, circumstances where luck just feels um, 
provisional. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And I would like that to happen to me. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) I'm not saying it happens all the time. It it only happened like for a short two month period. But yeah, it was weird. It was very, very (laughs) weird. But it did happen. And I, I just, I didn't know. I still probably don't know what the reimbursement was for, but I knew that hey. it was legit, so. Hey, God, take it when it comes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Darn, I guess I'll have to turn down this free money. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. Like, I was so struggling, and it just happened. It was weird. But it, it did, and, and, like, that. that's kind of, yeah, what I think that it feels like when you finally get that support that you were dying for um in in a moment i think it's kind of (laughs) funny that they call home base uh the square even though it's really a circle (laughs) i don't know that's just they didn't go to kindergarten or something they missed that class (laughs) uh but yeah it, it that's funny are you a fan of lord of the rings at all yes you I are. love Lord. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is second only to Star Wars. Okay, it, it'll always have a very important place in my heart. Did you think of a connection in this episode that oh. connected to Lord <laughs> of the Rings? Absolutely. And what was um, that? <laughs> that still only counts as one. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just I loved them keeping score. It just makes me like giddy that just. How many how many droids did you take down? I just it's so much fun and it it just yeah, it filled me with so much joy being the Lord of the Rings nerd that I was watching them all compete to see who won the most droid or who took down the most droids. It made me so happy. In the two towers at the Battle of Helm's Deep, Legolas and Gimli have this competition of how many orcs they kill. And if you've never read Lord of the Rings, Legolas and Gimli are very racist and arch enemies at the beginning of uh, Fellowship of the Ring because they're very, they have a lot of prejudices of the other race. So like Legolas is an elf and Gimli is a dwarf and both of those um, races don't like each other a lot, like that they say terrible things about each other and insult each other and so when they started the fellowship of the ring like legolas and gimli were at odds from the get-go and then to see them in the two towers at helm's deep having this competition of how many orcs they kill it gives them common ground and it gives them common goals um and it really just fosters a friendship, a deep friendship between the two that breaks barriers. Uh, that's very moving and touching in the, in that movie. That's that's amazing. And the the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka having this friendly competition of how many droids they kill just reminds me so much of that moment, and I I, I love it like a lot. Do you feel similarly? Definitely. It. Uh, it's just, I love 
loved it in Lord of the Rings, and I love it here because when you're in the middle of, in both of these cases, it seemed like they were up against pretty near impossible odds. They seemed kind of outnumbered in a sense. Absolutely, and yeah. in that situation, you can easily crumble and lose confidence in yourself and in your abilities and turning it into that kind of competition, that kind of game and Anakin and Ahsoka are those kinds of people that thrive with a little healthy competition. Yeah. And it definitely brings them closer together. And I think also pushes Ahsoka to excel and, and uh, improve her skills and her confidence and take some of the pressure off, which we can see in the previous episode we talked about that sometimes she needs a little more confidence in herself at this point. Yeah. Um, but it just, it, I just loved it. It just reminded me so much of Lord of the Rings and how it brought those two unlikely pair that unlikely pair together and it brings them together too and really helps them excel in this environment. Totally. And I, I did, was not seeing the fact that Kiati Mundi would, uh, outscore both of them. That was kind of surprising. (laughs) He's, He's like, the man. So what do I win? <laughs> My undiving respect. Oh, that doesn't get me much. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, can't even, like, buy me a blue milk or something? Like... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, the next episode that we wanted to talk about is The Weapons Factory, which is the next episode in Season 2 where they're trying to destroy the droid factory on Geonosis so that they can't produce more droids. And this episode is so, like, great and awful at the same time. It's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. How would you describe what Anakin does to Ahsoka during the briefing? Oh, gosh. He just completely undermines her authority. And, and it's... And and not just in a subtle way. It is so blatant and it is so disrespectful. And he essentially tells her, I think the quote that he says, uh, she's like, you don't trust me. Like, you don't trust me to do the briefing. And he flat out says, it's not about trust. It's about getting the job done right. Yeah. What the heck, Anakin? (laughs) That is... Aren't you supposed like she's about to go off on a mission without you? She has to lead these troopers, and you are going to just knock her down before she does that. It's just his doubt is really painful. It just it hurts me to see her get so publicly just publicly undermined like that, and he doesn't seem to have faith in her. At this point, yeah, which is ridiculous because she's awesome and has proven herself at, up to this point. Yeah. But yeah, that, it starts off really, really rough. <laughs> like it's bad to interrupt people just in common courtesy. Like when people are talking, you want to listen. To cut people off, it's it, it's just rude. But to do it in a leadership situation where you've placed her in charge of people. To interrupt her in that situation to give them 
quote unquote the right information, you're basically telling all of the people that she's supposed to be leading that she's not trustworthy. And that is exactly. so, like you said, it's so undermining. It's not funny. Like the people that she's trying to lead will never trust her if that's if that's what you're doing because you're telling them that she do, she doesn't have the right information and it, and you're showing them that you doubt her so they should doubt her yeah and she's she actually asks him to not interrupt rather politely she doesn't get very offensive um so i i think that she's rather well uh, composed in the situation. I know I would not like that kind of treatment, especially if I was leading. It's terrible. <laughs> like yeah. it really is. And even if you have some corrections for her, there's a way to add that additional information to the briefing without cutting her off. When she's done, you can add a little additional information. It's like, oh, General Skywalker also has something to add. That's cool. You don't have to completely stop her yeah. because you feel that she might not be giving all the right information. You can add on later, and it can be a team effort. It doesn't have to just bash her in front of them. Yeah, it's not always about you kind of deal. For sure. I thought it was kind of funny that Luminara saw them sort of arguing or bickering and she's like oh not again and Barris <laughs> is like again what's this again thing about uh, and Luminara just says that they're known to playing loose with the regulations and the rules of command like they don't follow <laughs> the rules ever so bunch of loose cannons yeah I like that this episode really contrasted the two different styles between Anakin and Luminara and likewise between Ahsoka and Barris. Did you see a lot of contrast between those? I definitely did. And it's very, very interesting to see them not only to watch their relationships when they are right next to each other at mm -hmm. the beginning and, um, and just the amount of respect and obedience that Barris seems to have with with Luminara and then as you said, you walk up and very seemingly disobedient and scrappy Ahsoka is fighting with her master who she should be obeying and listening to his every word and, <laughs> and his wise mentorship. <laughs> and it's just so it's it's comical. It's just the, the you could not find two different pairings that were any any different than those two and it's just it was fun to watch. Yeah, it, it really was. Like, I felt bad for Barris having to remember. So apparently Luminar asked her to memorize the labyrinth beneath the weapon factory. And there's like 200 different junctions, as she put it. Can you imagine having to memorize all the hallways in that thing? That's crazy. Like, and it's just... You can't expect somebody to remember that no matter how... <laughs> like a lot and we're talking three dimensions here we're not talking like two it's it's yeah it's just crazy um so luminar expects barris just to be able to find uh the place where they need to go what is it the core whatever 
Yeah, the uh Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> Something like that. And so they send Ahsoka and Barris in there and Barris is very prepared. Like they have this thing where it says it it pays for one to be prepared, especially when other people's lives depend on your success. It's almost like it's a mantra that they do to explain why they put so much time in before they do the mission. And I think Ahsoka and Anakin put like five minutes into preparation before they do the mission (laughs) because they're more of a think in the moment kind of thing. At least that's what I got out of it. Yeah, that's how they seem to thrive. Improvisation. <laughs> Imp- uh, survival instincts, basically. Exactly. And it's funny that... I think that what is also super interesting about it... One thing that I... If I were in Barris's shoes... And even if I could sit at my desk and have the whole labyrinth memorized, there is a difference between having the knowledge and memorizing information and then going out and applying that knowledge. And it's like, it's why they tell you if you're studying for an exam that you should study in uh, in an environment and in a style that is as similar to the format of your test as possible because if you are comfortable in that situation you will succeed well and I think that's one of the strengths that of Anakin and Ahsoka's fly by the seat of your pants mentality is that he has given her a lot of experience thinking on her feet and no matter how much you prepare a lot of the time things are not going to go to plan and you've got to be able to adapt to change and even though yes they should probably put a little bit more preparation in beforehand it uh it shows that you know knowledge is not everything being able to act in an intelligent quick-witted way often is more important than the facts in your brain yeah definitely I'm one of those that, like, actually is better at book knowledge than common sense, which is very frustrating for my wife. She's like, (laughs) how can you not have common sense? And I'm like, it's just not what God gave me. (laughs) (laughs) You got to play your strengths, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I would much rather do math than to ask common sense questions. It's just, I don't know. It's rough for me. But that's okay. I actually asked a poll question uh, today of which would you prefer to have as a Padawan? Would you rather have Anakin Skywalker as your master with improv, with improv or Luminara in preparation? And the with 14 votes, we actually had the winner was Anakin with improv got 79% like that's a runaway wow. winner which of those would you prefer I would say probably Anakin as well um, I I am very much the kind of person that I do well I I do I do okay in 
book smarts and stuff like that, but I am a much better I'm much better in practical situations, in hands-on sort of things than I am in the theoretical kind of world. And I think because of that, I would probably thrive better under Anakin's hands-on kind of mentality. Um, hands-on, mind-off in a lot of cases sort of mentality. <laughs> but um, uh. yeah, I, I, and I feel like I wouldn't feel as much pressure under Anakin as I would under Luminara, who seems to command this level of perfection and you know intelligence all of the time yeah um so yeah i think i would probably i would personally thrive better under an anakin teaching style even though sometimes it would really stress me out to being like oh okay we're just we're just gonna fly by the seat of our pants and just do okay i guess i hope this works out (laughs) um (laughs) it'll stress it would stress me out but also i think i would probably succeed more would you be a luminara pupil or an anakin pupil uh i think i would be a luminara person sort of interesting because well i mean i i think i would much rather have luminara as a master because the not trusting me thing would really really get under my nerves and i would not like to be undermined like being disrespected or um interrupted called into question like especially when you're asking me to lead like i don't think i could take that very well i wouldn't that would cause a lot of conflict with me and anakin and the preparation thing with luminara i would struggle with to the nth degree because I'm also a procrastination person. So I don't think I would be very good at the preparation. I would probably be more of the improv (laughs) because I (laughs) like to make stuff up sort of as we go. Um, But I think that the personality conflicts would lead me towards Luminara. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it would not be, an easy road with Anakin. It would be very, very frustrating a lot of the time, and you'd have to put up with a lot, for sure. I feel like you do get a little more um, respect, um, a little more visible respect from Luminara. Yeah. Which is super important. And I think Luminara has a better relationship with her Padawan as far as attachment. Um, In our last episode, we talked a lot about Ahsoka's conversations with Ayla Sakura about attachment uh, with Anakin. And it's kind of brought back to the surface again in this episode when Ahsoka and Barriss are trapped beneath a ton of rebel rubble. And Anakin and Luminara start to feel like their Padawans are slipping away, like they their lives are in danger, basically. And Anakin is not ready to let go at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but Luminara seems to be at peace with the fact that there will be a time when she has to let go of her Padawan. What do you think that that tells us about Anakin and Ahsoka? And could Anakin let go of Ahsoka if, when the time comes? 
Um, I think that I'm a very, I, I get very attached to people. I do not want to lose. I mean, that sounds like an obvious statement, but I would be, I would not have a good time or an easy time learning to let go of important people in my life that would, and I know that both Anakin and Ahsoka at this point, neither of them would be able to deal with letting the other go. And in a way, there's a strength to that because there's that motivation to work together and succeed and, and uplift each other and get through it hmm. for each other. Um. But at the same time, as a Jedi, that's a dangerous thing um, because I don't want to know what a, a, I mean, we know what happens to an unbelievably grieving Jedi. They turn into Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we see that happen. And um, But at the same time, just because I am kind of, I, I do get a very emotionally attached to the people I care about, Luminara's detachment when they get buried in the rubble, it's kind of disturbing to me in the sense she's just like, we're not even going to look for them. I'm letting them go. They're fading away. I'm like, but you're not even going to look. Yeah. I mean, you could at least try. I mean, you could at least put, you know, you could at least put half an effort in and hopefully find them. Wow. Um, it's a little cold. Um, but yeah, it I definitely shows how different their levels of attachment are. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And there needs to be a middle ground, I think. Um, but yes, they are very, very polar opposites. And so it's interesting to watch them deal with that. And if Anakin wasn't so attached to Ahsoka and didn't teach her that kind of fight because Barris is about to give up when they're buried underneath her. She's like, well, we're going to die down here. And Ahsoka's like, no, nah, we're not, we're getting out of here. Just so you know, this, I'm going to get us out of here. <laughs> like because of that, because of Anakin's teaching and because of that attachment, she is so determined. And while Barris and Luminara are kind of giving up. It's funny so, that Barris there's, thinks there's that strength. they're going to die of hunger. And Ahsoka's like, no, we're not going to die of hunger. We're going to die of air way before we die of hunger. <laughs> I just, I just, that's so messed up, but it made me laugh so hard. I'm like, oh, I mean, you're right. <laughs> it's a great way to go. <laughs> Suffocation or starvation. Two really fun choices. I, I think it just means that Ahsoka's been told like these are the needs in a crisis. Like you have to, you have to know what your needs are to survive. Um, but Barris would be trying to get a plate of food instead of air to breathe. Absolutely, um, and that's I, I think that definitely comes from her so much hands-on, think on your feet experience with Anakin. That's yeah. her strength, and that really shined shown shined in this episode i think luminar had an interesting um point that might be a little bit different than my favorite character there's a part where she says if my padawan is perished i will mourn mourn her 
but I will celebrate her as well through her memory. Do you think that the Jedi, that that is a better way of actually dealing with death than what Yoda says? In Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, because I think that it's important, um, even since, since the Jedi are not supposed to embrace those emotions um i think it's unrealistic when you suffer the loss of somebody who's that close to you especially someone who's your pupil that you are responsible for it would be impractical to think that you would not mourn them yeah um in a way but i think it is more important to for them to celebrate the good times that they had together and celebrate that she would be one with the force yeah. Um. to rejoice I think that it's unrealistic to think that you wouldn't mourn them which is what Yoda's episode 3 yeah. speech lacks for me yeah definitely I like, I like Luminara's idea definitely like Yoda's speech in episode 3 is very cold and it, it the first part of it's great in letting go of everything you fear to lose. That part's fine, but the mourn them, do not miss them, do not rejoice for them, uh, for them joining the force or whatever. Like it's just like that part is is very cold and un like unempathetic. Like it's the opposite of empathy. The last episode we wanted to talk about is the brain invaders which is a very crazy, crazy episode. It's <laughs> it's after the zombies, but it's very connected to the zombies of Geonosis. So the, these worms basically invade the clones' bra- um, brains through their nose, and that's just gross in and of itself. But then they become, like, automatons <laughs> that are slaves to whatever the will of... Uh, the leader is basically um so they try to take command of this ship as they're trying to make a supply run for mace windu um what did you think of brain invaders i liked brain invaders a lot it was kind of it definitely changed things up a little bit it's kind of nice to see the relationship of two peers that are not jedi masters that still have a lot to learn and still have a lot to prove and I like the Barris and Ahsoka dynamic and um and and specifically they have a conversation pretty early on in the episode when they go to eat yeah. which about um what happens after the war is over I was just thinking about what you said earlier about enjoying the peace while it lasts. As a Jedi, I'm not sure I know how to do that. Master Windu has said we are keepers of the peace, not warriors. However, once the war is over, it will be our job to maintain the peace. Yes, but will we do so as keepers of the peace or warriors? And what's the difference? I don't have all the answers, Ahsoka. Like you, I'm a learner. What does your master tell you? Anakin? Oh, um, you might find some of his thoughts on the future 
uh, a bit radical. Really? Why? Let's just say my master will always do what needs to be done. I'm not even sure how peacetime will agree with him. It's so interesting to think about their concerns and how their lives are going to change after this war is over, just knowing that they'll, they don't get the, that opportunity. Mm. Um, and they don't get to see, we don't get to get that answer at any point. Um, but I enjoyed this episode, and I think even though it was super freaky a lot of the time because thinking about a parasite climbing up my nose um is not the most pleasant thought on the planet um (laughs) but it was um this is this this is a good one i I like this one and it has kit fisto in it i love kit fisto (laughs) nice what's not to love (laughs) i i really like this one because it it's almost slower paced you those uh moments with Ahsoka and Barris like in their barracks in um in the mess hall like that's kind of sowing the seeds of really how they develop a friendship uh of two girls having a friendship of genuine connection that's kind of special in cartoons you know what I mean absolutely so like it's it's really cool like they did have a lot in common and they have things to talk about. They kind of build a bond. And I think that this episode is important later on because you do know that Ahsoka and Barris have this bond together where they, they should be able to trust one another and respect each other. I mean, Ahsoka saves Barris's life uh, by killing the worms with the cold. And there actually gets to be a point in the episode where Barris asks Ahsoka to kill her, which is rather dark, because Barris can't control what she's doing. And this is something that Ahsoka struggles with after they're saved or whatever by Anakin. Ahsoka asks Anakin, Master, on the ship, Barris was gone, and she wanted me to kill her. She told me... But you couldn't do it. No. No, I couldn't. But should I have? I mean, it worked out now. But if we had failed, if the ship docked and the worms spread and... Ahsoka, it's your duty to save as many lives as you can. Barris knew you could save thousands if the worms were destroyed, which she thought meant destroying her too. But you did the right thing. You knew the freezing cold would kill the worms. Letting go of our attachments is a difficult struggle for all of us. You followed your instincts. I'm sure she would agree that you made the right choice. So, like, it's interesting that attachment comes back uh, again. That Ahsoka wasn't ready to let go of Barris uh, with the the worm. Definitely that responsibility that's put on that's put on you because if this mission is screwed up and they arrive at the medical frigate and essentially infect all of these wounded people the jedi and clones on board with these parasites that's a huge loss and that's on ahsoka's shoulders so she really does feel the pressure that 
if this plan doesn't work, she might have to kill her. And that's, that's so, that's just a crazy thing to wrap your head around, especially somebody that has become close to you yeah. so quickly. Yeah, definitely. It's just, yeah. What do you think all these episodes have taught Ahsoka, basically, um, in general? Um, I think that this, I think it's important that leaves in herself. Um, I think that it's that these episodes made her more resilient. And while she still depends on other people quite a bit, but it's unrealistic for anybody to not have to depend on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that especially ending with the brain invaders episode where she's, apart from her master has to succeed on her own and starting from a point where she is full of doubt and full of anxiety about leading on her own. Mm -hmm. It it just, it just, she grows a lot in this, in this series of four episodes. And um, it's nice to see her, even though she still has a long way to go, but to be fair, which who among us doesn't, (laughs) um, (laughs) But it's nice to see um, her confidence and her ability to adapt to the situation around her. Um, it's nice to see her really excel in that in these episodes. Yeah, like I think in these episodes we see so much leadership potential in Ahsoka, and that's pretty awesome. And the fact that she's willing to take a risk and step forward. Um, again and again is is pretty great and i i guess i'm frustrated that she's dealt with so many obstacles uh to be heard i kind of wish that wasn't the case but i think having that be the case was a better choice because it's more realistic in the world than i think that we are than i was aware of and so like i think that Ahsoka was so relatable in these episodes uh, to a lot of, like, teenage girls or whatever. I, I think that these may have played into why she's so popular today. Do you know what I mean? Ahsoka was really, really important to me when these episodes were coming out as someone who's who didn't really talk about liking Star Wars or, or didn't really talk about anything I was super interested with people my age at that point because kids are mean. Um, and seeing Ahsoka get knocked, well, seeing the world around her trying to knock her down and tell her that she doesn't know what she's talking about or she's not fit to lead and to watch her take that and push through and excel despite what the world is telling her that's that's the power of ahsoka to me is that you have to believe in you because you can do it no matter what the world thinks and she's my girl and this is baby girl starting to spread her wings and learn to fly did you um pay attention to the easter eggs at all when you were watching these Ooh, easter eggs what kind of Easter eggs are we talking here? Uh, not the, uh, aren't they a fortune cookie? I'm sorry. Fortune cookies. 
Let's see. What did what did you pick up on? I might have no. Um, the beginning of landing on Point Rain, the the blue fortune cookie that they show at the beginning, it actually says "Believe in yourself, or no one else will." Oh yeah, exactly. It's Ahsoka. <laughs> it literally says it's that in these Ahsoka. episodes, so it's 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 really great. That's awesome. Yes. So I actually have one final question for you. I know that you have a new special project with Imperial Senate Pod. Who is your favorite minor character in these episodes? Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, so I think out of the four of these, my favorite minor character um, probably comes from uh, Storm Over Ryloth. And that, and I don't know his name specifically, but the battle droid who takes command after their leader like jumps ship and is so clueless and but is like I can do it now like well let's see it, I think they said like they're like where did he go they couldn't find him he's like what do we do who's in charge not me and then the little guy who takes control he is my man remember. They are droids. They're just a little slow. Go figure it out. I think the captain left. Who's in charge? Not me. Not me. What should we do? Begin attack. He 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 filled me with so much joy in that episode. So and I'm I always love the battle droids in Clone Wars, but he was he was a special one. I'd say he would probably be my best. I gotta go find out what his name was because R.I.P. Buddy, you're awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> he was not the fastest, but he was predictable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was great. Um. This has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you being on with me um, to talk about Asaika and share your love of her with me. Um, Claire, where can people find you online? Let's see. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cstribs. And, and uh, you can listen to the Imperial Senate podcast. And we're on Twitter at ImpSenatePod and Instagram at Imperial Senate Pod. And... Uh, yeah, you can go listen to that and and yell at me about B1 Battle Droids on Twitter and that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now it's time to hear from you. You can email us your thoughts on Ahsoka's journey in these episodes at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. I'd really love it if I got an email. It's been a long time since I've had one. Um, you can follow the podcast at moonjockeyspod. You can always follow me at Balls and Play. Thank you for listening, and until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.
Push the button, Chewie.